0: All well, it's one, two, three strikes—you're out at the old ball
1: game. All right, welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pitcherless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm once again joined by the Hall of Famer Brandon Riddle, and we are excited to bring Ooh. you another episode packed with weird and fun <laughs> baseball stories. Etcetera, uh, Brandon, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, tell tell me about where you've been or where you uh, visited a couple weeks ago, or Ooh. last week.
0: Well, well, first of all, you really hyped up the episode there with the with the etcetera. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was last week. That um, yeah, was uh, just today's Friday, so yeah, just over a week ago that I happened to be at Cooperstown and got to visit the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I'm very excited to talk about that. The town's adorable, you know, the museum's historic, the food was good, so that's going to be a good conversation in a little
1: bit. Yeah, exactly. You can't go wrong with Cooperstown. Um, and then the other things we're going to go over and talk about today, uh, you know, and I use cetera because I feel like it's, it's just all-encompassing because we're going to talk about the Cleveland Guardians name <laughs> change. Uh, we're also going to talk about... Kind of a, a, you know, tangentially related, Uh, some weird end of career jerseys. Uh, So that's pretty much players that maybe played for a team at, I don't know, for the last half of a season or maybe retired with them that you really don't think of typically in that uniform. Going to bring up some weird memories being the the goal. We're going to talk about Cooperstown and Branton's recent trip there.
0: Weird, uncomfortable. Yep.
1: Yeah, and then we're going to finish off with a roundtable discussion, if we have time, about our favorite speed and power guys. We'll get there when we get there. All right, so the Cleveland Guardians. What was your first impression upon hearing that name?
0: Oof. So, so really quick, as everyone probably knows listening to this, the historic franchise have officially changed the names to the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, now for somebody outside of Cleveland who doesn't necessarily know the history of the Guardians and why that's actually kind of a cool name, it struck me as sure a name, it, it's fine. And honestly, if you actually look at other baseball names, they don't necessarily have the best, you know, team names or logos. We just like it because the names are attached. We grew up with it. We know these, we have historic names. But like there are a couple teams out there named after socks.
1: What is a Dodger? You know there's there's a lot of a lot of weird stuff out there, as you were saying, yeah,
0: yeah, and and, and at least the Dodgers have a fun backstory when they were back yeah. in New York, for example, uh, but even the Dodgers weren't always the Dodgers either. so they changed names. So teams change names all the time. Uh, they change colors, jerseys, logos. This is not unusual in the grand scheme of baseball at all. um so when I first heard Guardians, I thought, yeah, that's fine. And then I actually read <laughs> into what the guardians are and how they relate to Cleveland. And as I learned more about it, of course it tends to happen. You kind of realize, Oh, this is, this is kind of cool. Uh, so the, the guardians, these are huge 43 foot statues that outline uh, the Cleveland stadium. And they kind of belong to well, First of all, the city, but they go over highways, streets, and they kind of look over the stadium and they've been there for decades. Uh, so just by calling the team Guardians, you get that connection to the area around you. And these statues, you can you can go Google it. They look pretty cool. I get it. Yeah. I'm
1: on board with these. Yeah. And when I initially first heard the term like or, or the new name, the Cleveland Guardians, I was incredibly whelmed. Uh, I wasn't whelmed. really blown yep. away at all. You know, it, it was one of those situations where I, I heard it. And I was like, that's sounds very generic, was my my initial reaction. And it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad name. I just thought that it's, well, yeah, it sounds generic, and it's kind of funny in a sport where you really don't guard anything. Um. (laughs) Right, but at at the same time,
0: think about, like, the Oakland Athletics. Like, really, you guys want to name your team Athletics because you're athletic playing the game? No, we just know it because of tradition. So at least Guardians, you know, it has that roots in Cleveland, so it kind of makes sense.
1: And I don't think, like, you know, obviously they're gonna grow into the name and it'll make more sense over time. And and that connection to the giant forty three foot tall statues, like that's that's really cool. But I will say that just the initial set of the designs that they showed us for the typeface and the fonts and the colors, largely all staying the same was I didn't really care for because I think that when you're when you're breaking away from, you know, a name that was problematic for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm and you, initially, you immediately go back and, and and don't really change up your colors or your, your feel at all. It kind of looks like they're trying to gloss over, you know, why they were changing the name, you know, because that's, that's an important conversation. It's because, you know, they've had this really racist and, and you know, harmful name for a while now, and mm-hmm. you kind of brand it as something, you know, just, oh, you know, we're changing the name just kind of because we, for whatever reason... It, it, it feels like they're not recognizing exactly, you know, that they messed up, I guess, you know, in that situation. I don't know. I didn't really word that very concisely.
0: Um, I, no, no, I, I understand. I, I think obviously changing the name is a very good thing. I'm very glad they yeah, did that. Uh, but I, th- I, think, I think still keeping the vague typeface um, and definitely the colors are certainly the same. Hmm. I, I think that might be okay in my mind. Um, I may be horribly wrong, and I'm glad to be wrong if that's
1: the case. And it also makes but, a little bit of sense because there's also the aspect of, you know, fans, I guess, don't have to buy new merchandise, although I would think that true. they would want to sell a ton of new merchandise, right? So I, but, uh-huh. you know, but, uh, you know I, I get it's, it's supposed, you know, it's a little bit easier of a transition, uh, keeping those same colors that have become, you know, iconic and synonymous with the team and with the city. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that side of it, but for me, I wish they would have done more.
0: Yeah. And I, I think another, aspect that doesn't matter at all i just like to think of it in like 20 years or maybe five years i don't know how people think anymore if they look back to the film major league and they see the cleveland indians they're gonna think it's a fictional team just like we look at the new york highlanders in um <laughs> oh the natural and think oh that's not a real team
1: it, it's, that doesn't exist today I don't. so it's don't gonna be a, people- a fun moment yeah, I mean, Major League is, of course, a phenomenal film, but I don't. I don't think people really. I, th- I feel like that movie will very much stay associated with the team. Um, I don't think people will f- think that it's like fictional necessarily.
0: Right. Well, and, and that's why I gave it a twenty-year time okay. frame, for example. After okay. well, we'll, Guardians we'll has the time to settle in there, we'll see. Yeah. I'll meet you back here. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, but no, I, I do. After yeah, after learning about history, I like the name Guardians. It fits. I wish I sincerely wish it was a Cleveland spiders, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like that that would was a a great idea there. You know, a a couple more that were thrown around, but I feel like you could do worse than the Guardians (laughs) and who knows, maybe they'll it'll it'll end up working out. Um, So just with that kind of, I mean, name changing in mind, like was there any other name change uh, that you've kind of. Had a front row seat too. That really stuck out for you. Like I, I do remember when the Rays dropped the Devil Ray a couple of years ago uh, mm-hmm. to focus more on like the Solar Ray, which I thought was kind of goofy because Devil Rays is just such a an awesome name, rolls right off the tongue. Uh, but I feel it like is. that was pretty, it pretty nice. low key.
0: Yeah. So as far as baseball is concerned, um, you know, the only team that came close to, I guess there were two teams in the last. Decade or two that came close to completely overhauling the name is the Angels because they switched around from Los Angeles to Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim to Anaheim, and you right. know, whoever they are now. Um, and of course, the Diamondbacks completely rebranded their teams back in 2008, I want right. to say, from you know, the purple and teal to the Sedona red we have now. Uh, so those had opportunities to change um, logos completely, but they didn't quite go through it. Uh, but I don't think in the last two decades or so, we've had a team completely overhaul itself, at least in major league baseball and right, the NBA. Right. You had the Pelicans, for example, and the Hornets, uh, but and I the think thunder. that was about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean,
0: the thunder, it, well, well, they were an expansion team. So yeah, they moved or well, not. They yeah. were an expansion. They yeah. moved. I'm sorry, Seattle. Yeah.
1: I do. I do. I'm remember, also still hurting. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. RIP. The, the, the Suns. Arizona sports yep. just, it's rough sometimes. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think the Angels would really benefit from a rebrand going back to the California Angels because that was one of the best names oh, in yeah. sports, I think. And when they had those red and blue, uh, you know, I remember they have the uh, the pinstripe jerseys and the hats. I love those those California Angel uniforms. And I think that would be really I, cool to bring back.
0: I think I think we should try for the California Trout Ohani Otanis.
1: The Trout Otani's. That works, too. Yeah. Uh, and I think let's also make it, just let's make it happen. Just California fits the Angels' aesthetic. I mean, I sound pretentious, but it fits their their vibe essentially a lot more. Because when you go to the, you know Angel Stadium, it feels very much like you know sunny California. You know, beautiful kind of experience. Uh, it's you know a lot of good energy. It's really nice, and it does feel distinctly mm-hmm. different from I you know Chavez Ravine Dodger Stadium. Feels very much like the Los Angeles atmosphere, and they're you know. Mm-hmm. Similar, but they're they're distinct from one another. So I really think that the angels could benefit right by by right. you know claiming California for their. Uh... Anyway, that's just me rambling again. <laughs> <laughs> the entire state, yeah.
0: yeah. So no, you're fine. So e- each of these t- each of these teams, with the team names, locations, the nicknames, the logos, all kind of have a distinct feel to them because they've been that way for decades. And in some cases, uh, players have been on teams for a decade or two decades or you know entire career. And at the very last second, switch clubs and it feels kind of odd to see them in this new location. Uh, so for example, a, a player that you identify with a single team or maybe two teams by now, um, Albert Perholz has suddenly changed teams at the tail end of his career, you know, like, uh, like Cleveland changed the name suddenly. We're not used to it, but it turns out Pulse is doing pretty good right now,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, no, Albert Pujols is back right now, or at least looking oh. like well, he did. Uh, I, may, not all the way back, maybe. Um, <laughs> but he is, you know, he, he he's he's a bit older. Uh, but he is, you know, back in the sense that he's back being a fairly productive player with the Dodgers. He's hitting you know two sixty-four, got eight home runs, twenty three runs batted in, and that's only in about forty six games. And he's definitely being platooned. Uh, he's basically like right handed Jock Peterson in the sense that he just. Absolutely murders left handed pitching, and then you know, he's doesn't fare so well against the opposite side. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no.
0: But, but uh, but, but it makes really me happy weird. when these, yeah, it makes me happy when these players that have been around for a while and maybe they change teams or in the twilight of the career and think you pull holes, so McGill Cabrera, for example, and suddenly in like the last possible moments, they have a small resurgence, and it, it shows people that may not have been around for the 2004 2006 season like a glimpse, a small glimpse of what they were able to contribute and that he wasn't always terrible. So it makes me happy yeah. that Pools is contributing. Um, so throughout throughout history over the last 10, 20 X amount of years, uh, what are some other players that you can think of that have changed jerseys at the tail end of the career where it doesn't quite feel
1: right? Yeah, I mean, uh, and that's, that's what was really weird for me was going to Dodger Stadium and seeing a lot of these you know, oh, Pujol's jerseys, you know, especially because he's got a different number. He's 55 rather than the five that he's worn mm-hmm. the rest of his and, career. And
0: especially you as a Dodgers fan.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one. It was really surreal to just think that Dodger, that uh, Albert Pujol's is a Dodger. But beyond that, uh, <laughs> I really, I remember Vladimir Guerrero ended his career with the Orioles, and that was really trippy to watch him play in the the AL oh, East gosh. for a couple, you know, a couple seasons. I think it, I, maybe just one, I, maybe two. I
0: remember it being weird when Guerrero went to the Angels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I just remember in the last couple of years, there was a period where Andrew McCutcheon was on the Yankees, and I feel like, and the Giants after that. And I feel like that's just something oh. we've all kind of forgotten about because. And he had to know, cut his hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about what about you?
0: Yeah, that one kind of hurt. So for right now, I I hope I sincerely hope he's not in the twilight of his career. But uh, Madison Bumgarner is a giant. Um, He is a legendary performer in the postseason, and suddenly he's on the Diamondbacks and he a no hitter, which is neat. Um, But it's weird. Um, I think of someone like Max Scherzer when he gets traded. He won't feel right seeing him in another jersey other than the Nationals or maybe the Tigers. I know he was another dying back to start his career, but it's going to be weird seeing him in a different color than Nationals. Remember when Manny Ramirez
1: was on the Rays? <laughs> I do, as a matter of fact. And he jumped around for a good long time. Was, I think yeah. he, was, he, he was on the White Sox too at one point. I think before that, oh, uh, after, after he left the Dodgers um, and, and gotten busted again for steroids.
0: Gosh. Yeah, another odd uh, White Sox player was Ken Griffey Jr. Right. Remember that? Right. Stint? Yeah. Yeah. Was was that when he fell asleep in the dugout or in the in the clubhouse? I think so. I think so. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can go through, you know, Greg Maddox as a Padre felt kind of weird. Uh, Randy Johnson twice. as a Giants. <laughs> he dodged her twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Johnson as Giant always felt odd to me. He got the three hundredth winning in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, but we can go back in time. You think of, uh, for example, uh, Yogi Berra as a Yankee, but right. he retired as a Mets.
1: <laughs> right. Or Willie Mays yeah. uh, played for the, played for oh, the Mets his final season. The
0: Mets as well. Yeah. He was a yeah. part of that championship team, but he noticeably lost a few steps. So it's not very fondly remembered at this time in the Mets.
1: And. Um, And there's always the story of how Jackie Robinson ended up uh, going to the Giants, but just opted to retire instead of play for them. That's, you know what? That's, I respect that decision. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a few, a few Mm -hmm. of these, these jerseys that I think would be, you know, very entertaining to actually own and like wear out to a ballpark one day, just, just for the conversation. (laughs) All right. So Brandon, I see you have, you've got another trivia question loaded. I'm a little nervous. I feel like at this point, I, yeah okay so what do we got <laughs> <laughs>
0: so a uh, trivia for this week I don't know the answer so I'm going to participate as well um, who won a gold glove award despite only handling 17 chances all season so out of the 162 games or however many games was played in that season uh, we go back a couple decades he only got 17 chances but he still won a gold glove who do you think it was
1: you know what's what's crazy is i i i'm thinking of this player right now because i feel like i've i've heard like like i've heard this story a a couple times and it's it's one of the reasons that people cite gold gloves is like not being the end all be all of somebody's you know fielding talent i'm 90 percent sure he was an oriole i just can't think of his name right now he was one of the big steroid guys though i'm pretty sure um
0: yeah, he's the one that point you yeah, out. Oh, really, I, I know exactly really, what you're talking about. Rafael Palmero.
1: Yes, yes. Is
0: that who you're thinking yes. of? Palmero?
1: That's right. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. All right. So I'm that's, sure if that's that, right. That, but, that was my that's, gut that's reaction right, yeah. as
0: well, was Rafael Palmero. Um he, he had a great right. offensive season, if I recall, but he played first base, you know, obviously like three games. So let's see. Yeah. The answer is we were wrong. We were wrong. We were wrong? Oh, oh, we were so wrong. This goes back to 1960 with the Yankees with a great with a great pitcher, Bobby Chance.
1: Wow, of course it's just some random. So life. Bobby Chance was yeah, he he was a solid pitcher back in the
0: day. Um, That's hilarious. I, I can't remember stats off the top of my head, but Chance was solid. He was a good pitcher, but yeah, only 17 chances, and he won a Gold Glove. So apologies uh, to Rafael Palmeiro, although you know. Uh, but Bobby Chance, 17 chances, won the gold glove. Good for him. Wow. That's, uh,
1: that would have been, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even, and, that's my last guess.
0: And you know what? I bet you one of those balls that he handled uh-huh, um, ended up in Cooperstown.
1: <laughs> All right. how How'd you get that in there. Look at right. that terrible segue. Cooperstown. Brandon, tell us about your Cooperstown trip.
0: Oh, this was exciting. So I, I ended up in New York last week and I travel a lot for work. So I, I go. I don't really know where I'm at. I just kind of show up. But as I'm there, you know, the person I'm working with goes, you know, we're less than an hour away from Cooperstown. Excuse me. Excuse me. So <laughs> I, 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 I do like literally. Eighteen hours of work in one day, just so I can have a day free and go to Cooperstown, and that's exactly what we do. We drive up about an hour along the winding roads and tall hills and green trees all around you, and we come to this town built by red brick buildings. Everything's quaint. There are restaurants, and bookstores, <laughs> and bakeries all over the place, and it is everything I ever wanted.
1: Wow, I feel so, like I'm listening to a Steinbeck audiobook. <laughs>
0: I just got so excited because I've been wanting to go there my entire life, and this was the first time. Right, and I I only got about two hours, so I had to breeze through everything. So yeah, Cooperstown itself—it's a very small town, brick towns—you uh, know, brick buildings everywhere, little bakeries and restaurants and bookstores, which I got a really neat astronomy book from. Um, but the Hall of Fame itself is tucked between two buildings, so if you're just walking by and you don't really notice right. it, you can walk right by it. You can walk right by it, which is kind of weird. Um, So, yeah, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, you you walk in there, you get yourself your ticket. And the first thing you see is a couple of statues of uh, Roberto Clemente, Lou Gehrig, and oh, my goodness, who's the other person? Jackie Robinson, of course. So you have those three statues basically welcoming you into the hall and at that point there's a few different ways you can tackle it. Uh what we did is instead of going up to the top floor and working your way down, we went to the second floor and this is where you have the history of baseball laid out in the front of you. So you walk in and you get like a a tour of 1870s, 1880s, 1890s baseball, uh which is what I am all about. You so b- back in those days, uh baseball is really you know, northeast Uh, type of sport you had some in cincinnati and ohio Uh, but every time a team for example would win a tournament they would always get these gold silver baseballs and they had as a trophy and they had these trophies all over the place and it was the coolest thing seeing these 150 year old trophies just sitting there for baseball right (laughs) And uh, in, in the background, they had music playing. Uh, so if you go back, I have an article. It's called Baseball's Greatest Hits. And I kind of walked through the history of baseball songs. But so many of the songs in the article, like the Home Run Polka or Slide Kelly Slide, it was playing out in the background. And it was just so cool seeing that. Um, wh- one of the cool things I remember is that there was a bat by King Kelly um, who hit a whopping 16 home runs in 1876 season, I want to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and but this was a lumberjack bat. It was inc- how thick this bat was, the type of style and bat they used at, at that you know century. Weird, the weirdest thing ever. So that was really cool to see.
1: How was uh, uh, kind of this? Uh, how'd you like the Platt Gallery?
0: Oh, down at the first floor. Yeah, so that is the. Oh the holy sanctum of baseball. Uh you walk in there, they have these black pillars rising to the top and these archways all around, and in between each archway, there's where you see the plaques. That's where you have the Jackie Robinsons, the Babe Ruths, the Ty Cobbs, uh the Cy Young's. And I, you know, loved it, obviously, just for the history. Um, honestly, I think the plaque engravings of the faces look a little bit off. They look a little bit funky. <laughs> yeah but just for what they are you know they are made you know in the 1930s 40s 50s 60s Uh, so you really appreciate that history and you do get what it means to be inducted in the Hall of Fame and why people take it as seriously as they do Um, right so it was really as a huge baseball fan and a a fan of history as well it was you know it, it was a pilgrimage I made and it was fantastic from start to finish and there are many other cool things from top to bottom we can talk about as well yeah. But I know that you went there as well uh, a few years ago. So what what did you yeah. think of it when you went?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I went there a couple of years ago now. Uh, it was it was really, really cool. I mean, obviously, you, you talked about it before, but like just like seeing all of the plaques up on the walls, all of the, you know, reading about all of the different legendary players. It's really it's really just a, an awe inspiring experience. And what's really trippy about it is looking at players like, you know, Lou Gehrig, Bayruth, Jackie Robinson, and then seeing players that you watched play, you know, that have, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're you know, also enshrined there and just seeing the old plaques and the new plaques just all in one place. It's, it really gives this feeling of just like a continuity, which is really cool. Um, and, mm, and just that you're witnessing a, a new chapter of baseball, you know, unfold in front of your eyes. Yeah. I uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I was just, I was just going to say, you know, I think that and and a lot of people make a big deal out of the the whole like oh you know Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame you know Pete Rose isn't isn't in the Hall of Fame but i mean they're just not in that that main plaque gallery and and so you really right. do the one thing that's cool about the Hall is you do get to read about you know players that are you know quote unquote out of the Hall of Fame and, and you know you read about Shoeless Joe and you can read about Barry Bonds and the whole steroid scandal and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's you know that's that's pretty cool seeing seeing really m- a lot of different corners and aspects of baseball.
0: Yeah, you're right. They did have that Barry Bonds ball that that hit the famous run and it has an asterisk branded into it. And as opposed to putting the asterisk on the backside, no Cooperstown puts it front and center and explains why it has an asterisk. Uh, So yeah, just because the player isn't in the plaque hall of fame, they are certainly still in the hall of fame museum itself. And what we see is only a fraction of what they have, because like the National Archives in D.C., uh, they have just a huge amount of, you know, history tucked away in the archives and be ready to pull out whenever they can. Uh, So I I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, Just off the top of my head, there are a couple of really cool things that I saw, like um, Cy Young's 500th career win. They had that ball sitting there, Uh which is really cool to see. Uh, they had a uh, cool Papa Bell's jersey, which made me very happy. Uh, one of the fastest men in baseball ever. Uh, Sammy Kopacz's Cy Young, Michael yeah. Jordan's bats. Um, they had uh, Otani's bat he used to hit the home run, his first of, first of bat oh, this that's year. Cool. They had that in the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, they had another object from this season the Hall of Fame as well. Um, oh, Dr. Fauci's uh, mask. They put that in the Hall of Fame as well. <laughs> Yeah. That when, he, when he threw out the first pitch, yeah.
1: There's just just hundreds of years of just mm-hmm. weird history in there that's so cool because they really do get every, like, and, and then really seeing, you know, I remember seeing Sandy Koufax's you know, Cy Young and seeing his Hall of Fame plaque. I was just like, this is really cool. Like, this is as close as I've ever gotten. Yeah. You know, like, like that's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's it's so great. And it's just a gorgeous building, too. Um, Cooperstown is just a, a really beautiful uh, little, little town. Yeah. Um, I mean, you saw how excited I got about
0: it. I could have gone off for 20 minutes if you didn't interrupt me, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, right. no, I cannot recommend enough. You, know, you have a Negro Leagues wing, wing a uh, women in baseball
1: wing, just uh, announcers li- movie yeah. stuff, so just remember, go see it. Phenomenal. I remember watching the the full, like, Ebbett and Costello baseball uh, yep. skit there, like, on a projector. On I, I think it was... I was there when I was a kid. I think I watched it all the way through like two or three times. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, they got a special wing for baseball and media as well. So, uh, like uh, Wonder Boy from The Natural, that bat's in there. Uh, Sandlot stuff, you know, Mr. 3000. Remember that Bernie Mac movie? Right. Uh, all, all the good baseball movies, they have some piece of memorabilia in there, and it's really cool. So, phenomenal. If you ever have a chance, check it out, get some good food, enjoy yourself. Right. Love it.
1: All right. So shifting into a a bit of a different gear here, you know how we love to just bring up random baseball players that we've seen in the last few years or whatever, and just talk about some of our favorites. So we're going to do that right now, uh, talking about some of our favorite uh, combinations of speed and power to exist in Major League Baseball. And, you know, the thing that gave me this idea for this conversation was that, you know, right now, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been just uh, you know, he's on, he's got the potential to go 40, 50, that's 40 home runs, 50 stolen bases, something that's never been done before. Uh, and, you know, he, if you had to pick somebody, he'd probably be the most likely guy to go 50, 50 as well. Uh, you know him or Ronald Acuna Jr. And it's really exciting that we live in this period where there are so many of these these players that can really do it on both sides of the uh, the athletic spectrum, I guess if you you want to call it that. Of course, there's Cody Bellinger who who runs pretty yeah, well sure. too. Shohei Otani can literally do everything, uh, but Fernando Tatis right now as a shortstop too is is one of the most exciting players in baseball for for his ability to both hit the snot out of the ball and swipe bags. So. In that vein, Brandon, who are some of your favorite speed, uh, power? R- really, they're, they're dual threats. Somebody who can uh, get it done on on the bases and at the plate.
0: So there is an answer to this question, even though this is an opinion. <laughs> there is an answer, which we'll, I'll, I'll I'll say at the end. Uh, but the first name that jumps out to me is a uh, Kenny Lofton from the late '90s with the Cleveland now Guardians. Uh, you know, he could slap the ball wherever he wanted, and he could run like the winds. Uh, so, when, when he first asked that question to me, you know, twenty minutes ago, I thought immediately of Kenny Lofton. He fits the bill to a T.
1: Also, somebody who deserves to be in in Cooperstown. So we, oh, absolutely, we we, we he covers all our bases today. <laughs>
0: uh, so, what about you? Who, who, who's somebody that jumps out to you?
1: For me, it it might not be the immediate idea that, that jumps off the paper, you know, the, this player, but it's actually Alfonso Soriano. Uh somebody who oh. was so dynamic. He he went 40-40 in 2006 with the Nationals with 41 stolen bases and 46 home runs. And he could just that that guy could just flat out ball. Like he he had 400 home runs in his career. You know, like he and he stole surprising. he stole a yeah, ton of bases. Yeah. You know, he had at least, you know, he had 39 and 38 in 2002 and 2003. You know, he, he's – or wait, that was home run. Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, let me uh, – No, no, but you,
0: you, you're right though. Alfonso Soriano, yeah. He, he was somebody that fans can kind of sleep on, especially now in retrospect, uh, almost forgetting at times his actual greatness. He was a great player at times. Um, yeah, exactly. I I, I – I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back. I don't think he had the best eye of the league, for example. I don't think he took many <laughs> walks, a high cake on the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember him being a real threat uh, in the same yeah. day.
1: Yeah. Career, career walk percentage is uh, just under 6%. So, okay. but uh, you know, yeah. he, he did, he had almost seven war in 2007 when he was 31 years old. Like he was just, that's fantastic. He, he was a great, very entertaining player to watch. Uh, I think today, yeah, he was a, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think no. of course yeah. I've I've talked about him in <laughs> in uh you know previous episodes, but Eric Davis, one of my favorite players of all time, uh with the Reds, who really was, you know, one of those players who you know seemed like he had it all. He had all five tools. He was an amazing fielder, an amazing hitter, uh, and he was just super, super fast too. Obviously he couldn't really stay healthy. He's kind of like uh, you know, Byron Buxton of, of today's game. That's actually not a, a bad mm-hmm. comparison. What Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me
0: um, of a, what could have been with a Grady Sizemore as well. Oh, great. As, as power and speed. He would have been the guy.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's the, kind the, of
0: the, the natural.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's kind of what brings these power and speed guys down is I feel like at a certain point, they just end up, you know, they get older. They can't run as well. They end up just power guys. Like look at Hanley oh. Ramirez uh, in his career arc. He started off as the the you know fast, speedy infielder for the Marlins. Yeah. By the time he, he got to the Dodgers and then later the Red Sox, he was pretty much just a slugger, right? Or
0: somebody who followed the same career path and Carl Crawford, for example, as well. Speedy, home run guy. Then he went to you know Boston and L.A. and things fell apart for him
1: yeah yeah good old carl crawford so, sorry huh? about that
0: <laughs> but now i remember him on the race he was such a dynamic yeah, fun player no, he to was watch a great
1: player so, mm-hmm. um i i always right. of course think of of matt Kemp, who almost went 40 40 he was one mm. one home run away uh and then ended up on the padres and then you know was, was just right. kind of that yeah
0: are you ready for the answer the correct answer to this opinion question
1: okay what's the correct answer <laughs>
0: All right, let me give you a hint. At age 39, he stole 66 bases.
1: Well, I <laughs> You said you see, are you thinking of Juan Pierre or some, some he's not a power hitter though. Like so I like It's not I, Juan I, Pierre. Yeah, yeah, I mean
0: um at 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 his peak, he hit 28 home runs and um earlier stole 130 bases.
1: Well, like Ricky Henderson.
0: <laughs> ricky henderson
1: <laughs> yeah i i, I feel yeah. like when you're talking steals it's always got to boil down to ricky and i just i love ricky henderson so much he we should yeah. we should do a ricky episode just just by itself because oh I ricky, feel like ricky, talking about ricky nobody really gives him or at least today in the analytics you know conversations he doesn't I feel like he never really gets his due that he deserves because if you have somebody who can literally steal second, third base every time he's on base and, you know, just that kind of threat he was with mm-hmm. the, the power and, and hitting tool that he had. Oh, my goodness. Like, he's like, I think he deserves to start if you have like a, a top nine, you know, fielders of Yeah, all, of all time. Like, he's definitely in that like, conversation. I-
0: I had mentioned the Cool Papa Bell earlier in this podcast, and um, at his peak, he is said to have stolen 169 bases in a single season, which is incredible. Uh, but of course, they did lots of barnstorming, records weren't kept. Uh, but Ricky Henderson, 1982, with full cameras and everything, stole 130 bases. My goodness, that's nearly on at this base. legendary mark.
1: You have to get yeah. on base 130 times to do that. <laughs> like, well, not, I mean, yeah, 130 times crazy. easy. And, and the fact that everyone... That- yeah, so uh,
0: you mentioned 130 times. He <laughs> walked 116 times alone that season. 116 walks. And he stole probably every single time he was on base. Uh, so phenomenal in every way imaginable.
1: Yeah. And when you look up, like, like you know, here, I'll give you a... a, a Little improm- impromptu trivia. You know, who is the who else are in the top five for stolen bases of all time? Just so we can highlight how good Ricky is because he's obviously number one.
0: Uh, we got we got says so a Lou Brock. Um, Lou Brock he's is
1: number is Cobb two. In there? 938. Yeah. yeah. So Lou Brock is oh, in second goodness. with 938. Cobb yeah. is in fourth place with 892. Now, guess how many Ricky is stolen? Oh, I see it right in the front of me, but it's he, he can raise that base above his head proudly and say, I am the greatest for the reason. Because how yeah. many stolen bases does he have? So, Ricky Henderson stole 1,406 stolen bases in his career. The guy in second place, yeah. Lou Brock, stole 938. Like, that is just an absurd gulf between them. That,
0: that's like total bases between Hank Aaron and number two. It's that huge of a chasm.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really incredible because he... He definitely could be in that conversation. He's definitely the greatest base stealer of all time. Like, But he could be yeah, in that conversation just because of his unique, you know, his unique, I guess, game, it, you know, as a baseball yeah, player. Still set really part. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Ricky Henderson is my choice for the best leadoff hitter, especially at his peak. He can't beat, you know, early 80s Henderson in Oakland.
1: Yeah. And I feel like Ricky Henderson was also just so – so fun to watch and so cool, like the way he played the game, you know, the just the the showmanship that he had. And I think, you know, he had that that really? huge confidence. He talked in the third person. He was like, he, you know, he he kind of felt like baseball's Allen Iverson, you know, before before. He, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like, he you just right. The way he played, he was just so, it so. The team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me let me ask you this one quick question. Just for like a, a, a give me a one quick answer. So we don't take up too much time. Who is the coolest player you have seen play? And uh, this doesn't
1: like off the top of your head. Okay. Off of the top of my head, uh, I'm gonna go with Mookie Betts. I hate, I hate that the, <laughs> we're there we're back is. at Mookie Betts. But it's okay, okay. No, obviously I'm gonna go with Shohei Otani. But if we're talking about just like, oh, like, like Mookie this Betts blues is cool. Yeah, I mean, Mookie Betts just he's so he's so smooth out there. You know, he makes all of these incredible athletic plays without breaking a sweat. He's robbing home runs. He's diving in the outfield. He's hitting, you know, he's he's hitting bombs and he's you know just such a great base runner. He sets the the base paths on fire with with his heads up play. Uh, he takes advantage of opportunities and he's just got a winning smile. It, it, he's just so fun to watch. He's such a cool baseball player. Obviously, you've got to have Tatis in this conversation because. He's just incredible he's as well. He's, he's, he's fun. so fun. And it's it's really, yeah, if, if I had to pick somebody that I'd seen myself, that's definitely those guys. Ronald Acuna Jr., also in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and makes I sense. Think, I think – you know, just just from a, a different kind of perspective, like Cody Bellinger, also is just I feel is like very cool with how almost nonchalant he he appears to play the game. You know, he just kind of shuffles up to the plate. You know, he's he's just kind of yeah, just everything about you know how he plays. Obviously, he's a little swagger. He, yeah, he's super. Yeah, he's Cody. You know, has very electric moments, but he's just you know it's it's a little different. But I would put him in that category too, just as far as current players go.
0: Yeah, I, I wish I could have seen Willie Mays play or you know reggie jackson uh but for me people that i have seen it's gotta be griffy how smooth he was playing oh, that course. game is phenomenal um so that's the cheat answer is griffy of course the cool player griffy yeah okay yeah, uh Kenny so Loftin. one of the things yeah <laughs> yeah so you, you can't go wrong fantastic great people to watch
1: right all right well we about ready to wrap it up <laughs> yes sir all right, so uh, we are running close on time, so we are gonna wrap things up here. So, if you liked what you heard today, uh, please sh- please be sure to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at shorthopspl. Follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah Six, and then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so, for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.